Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Okay, well, welcome back. Uh, it's good to be with you again this week. Um, excited to have a good friend of mine, uh, Brother Adam Cobb, with us. Uh, he has uh, blessed the Institute here for many years, many, many, many years, and uh, we're excited <laughs> to have you today. Um, we're uh, back in Isaiah. Um, we're going to be covering uh, Isaiah chapter 13 to 14, chapters 24 to 30, and 35, like the Come Follow Me block might suggest. Um, but before we do, Brother Cobb, welcome and, and uh, get us in. Tell us about you a little bit. What, what should we all know about you? Well, thanks, Matt. It's, it's fun to be here. Fun to be in this office again. I haven't been in this office for a long, <laughs> long time. So I've uh, been in the system for starting 30, 32nd year. Wow. And I uh, was at the Institute, uh, came over in 99. Wow. And I think I was here at Boise for about 12 years, and then uh, then went to Nampa for another six or few or six or so, and then back in the classroom, Cuna. So great. And then uh, I was in Nyssa uh, for eight years before that. So very cool. Somewhere in there that adds up to 30 and they've, plus. And they've got you doing some administrative stuff now, but you're teaching an institute class. Institute class Wednesday nights in Cuna. Okay. And that's a, is it a Book of Mormon class? Book of Mormon, uh, teachings and doctrines of the Book of Mormon. Great, great. Tell us about your family. What, what should we know about your family? So we've got, uh, Christy and I have five kids. Uh, Kylie's our oldest, living down in California, Southern California, and uh, expecting her first. And then... Uh, is that your first grandchild? No, no, no. And then Zach, who's married to Kaylee, uh, they've got three little ones, three okay. little girls. And then... Uh, Casey uh, recently got married to Haley. Uh, they're back in Virginia Beach with doing some training for the Marine Corps. And then Caden and Abby, and they've got little Paisley. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's going to school at the College of Idaho. And then Tyler's on a mission in the Fresno mission. Great. Great. So that's Very us. Cool. Yep. Very cool. Love it. So heaven's been good to us for sure. Yeah, that's yep. great. That's great. Well, uh, Jump us in. I, I, you know, we're in, we're in Isaiah. Um, by the time we get to chapter 13, Isaiah starts talking about uh, the, the, the captivity of his people. Um, again, being Isaiah, we know he's talking about multiple uh, different times, uh, his time, our time, previous times, um, and then the second coming. And uh, he's, he uh, begins his prophesying about 740 years before Christ which is roughly 100 or 200 years before the captivity of Bab the first captivity of mm -hmm. Babylon happens. So uh, his prophecy being a couple hundred years ahead of time is, is pretty significant, I think, in 13. But uh, where would you take us? How should we start this? You know, 13 obviously has the, the, the destruction of Babylon. And right there, as it says in... Um, 
you know, your chapter heading that it's a type of the destruction of the second coming and it's going to be a day of wrath and vengeance and sure. all of those kinds of things. And, and you'll go through here and you'll see, um, you know, for the stars of heaven, verse 10 of chapter 13, and constellations there shall not give their light, the sun shall be darkened and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, and, and all of the, you know, I'll shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place, verse 13. Sure. What I find interesting is, is in chapter 14, um, going from all of this destruction and, and everything that happens to the, to the children of men, and really the wicked, right? Mm -hmm. In chapter uh, 14, he talks about uh, verse 9, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth it hath raised up from their thrones, all the kings of the nations. And they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Hmm. Verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did, didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. This is Lucifer saying, you know, from the pre-earth life, the war in heaven. I want to replace God. I will also sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the side of the north. Now you have, at the end of this, you have all these kings who, who uh, you know, are resurrected or whatever, or come back, and they're looking upon Lucifer and saying, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Uh, even though you've said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will ascend, verse 14, above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Mm. And then verse 16, I love verse 16 and 17. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. <laughs> Squinty-eyed. Yeah. <laughs> and consider thee saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble that did shake kingdoms? Is this really the guy that that did all the destruction that led not just people personally, but people away from God? Mm. That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof that opened not the house of his prisoners? Mm. You know, people are gonna say, What? This is this is the this is the being who destroyed everything good in yeah. people's lives. Yeah, look at how weak he is. Look at how thin yeah. he is, right? We gave him so much power. Yeah, that, that's a great insight. We gave him, right, yeah. which is the optimum word there. Yeah, yeah. it reminds me that, uh, you know, in the end of the Book of Mormon, we learn that Satan will be bound, not necessarily because uh, Christ can tie him up and stick him in a corner for mm -hmm. a thousand years, but because we just won't have any desire to sin. We'll be like King Benjamin's people and the people after Christ came again, right? That, that we give that power to the adversary, um, but without our willingness to adhere to him, um, he is thin and weak and small and we'll, we'll look at him all squinty-eyed when we, when we get to see him. I really love that. That's a great, uh, that's a great verse there in 16. Well, that goes to, right, uh, verse 5 of chapter 24. Yeah. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, mm -hmm. changed the ordinance broken the everlasting covenant. Mm. 
So maybe in part there, what Isaiah is trying to help us to understand, and we know prophets have taught it from the very beginning, the power of covenants, mm -hmm. right? And, and when we keep our covenants that we've made with God, it really does give us power to have more strength and power over the adversary's influence. Yeah, and, the, and that, you know, the earth in its fallen state is just the way it is. Yeah. Right? I, I think often about how I don't know that I need the adversary to tempt me much because I do a lot on my own. Sure. Right? I, I, I just, I'm tempted because there are things that exist in our fallen world because of the conditions of my body that's imperfect, because mm -hmm. of my brain that's imperfect. All of those things, sometimes I think we even give the adversary too much credit. Yeah. We just say, hey, because yeah. he's tempting me. Now, I, sometimes I just wonder if the conditions of the fall and the fallen world that you just talked about in verse 5 there um, are part of the reason. And, uh, and that's part of the reason I think we'll, we'll look at him like that. And, yeah. and he won't stand to defend us. I was reminded as you were talking there of Alma chapter 30, verse 60. says, And thus we see at the end of him who perverteth the ways of the Lord... Thus we see that the devil will not support his children at the last day, but does speedily drag them down to hell. Those he gets, he's going to take with him. And those he doesn't get are, are going to be standing off to the side and, and squinting-eyed looking at him, right? Yeah. But, but, yeah. Uh, but he just doesn't have the authority or power. Um, man, I, I love some of that stuff in 14 too, right? That they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us, right? Yeah. That, that pomp is brought down to the grave, right? I mean, those... It's very interesting. It's very interesting how he'll be viewed at the end. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I love and, it. And maybe, in some respects, if we can view him now yeah. as he really is, yeah. right? Yeah. That might help us. I mean, we still got to deal with life, right? I mean, we still got in the fallen world like what you were saying. Yeah. But there's some things that, in recognizing even the truth about him. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the adversaries tools are going to be brought out into the light of day mm -hmm. and we're just going to see everything he's done and everything he's tried to do and those those that have fallen those that have grasped onto that stuff will howl right it will be a it will be a a sad day i, I think that's something that that as we study scripture just in general but maybe in particular isaiah we don't want to look at the negative, right? And, and I think there's there's a lot of benefits to teaching the righteous righteousness, right? Right, and, right. And, and yeah. good and glory. Yeah. But but I think sometimes we err too far away from teaching. Of, there is a consequence and there is, you know, the outcomes of the wicked that we all are just by nature of the fall and the natural man um, does have consequences that I think sometimes we shy away from even studying because yeah. I, I don't really want to know about them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but they're there and they're right here for sure. I love that. Well, I was thinking, you know, from um, uh, chapter 29, okay. jumping ahead to chapter 29, okay. that, um, you know, the marvelous work and a wonder, right, coming forth yeah. of the Book of Mormon and those kinds of things. But um, we certainly live in a day, right, verse 13, where for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed from their heart far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Mm -hmm. Again, the idea of keeping a covenant because we recognize that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and with Heavenly Father. Yeah. That I, I've entered into this covenant. I might not have understood completely the covenant when I entered into it. Sure. At eight. Yeah. Right. Or even, you know, or whenever, Older, right? right, yeah. But as I continually draw near to them, 
with my mouth, but also with my heart, I can understand that relationship in, in keeping those covenants, right? I can see what it, what it really is that's trying to take me away from covenants. Mm -hmm. go, and I don't mean to go back to this, but I guess I do in some respects, but you know, seeing Satan as he, as he really is and same Isaiah 29, right? The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord mm -hmm. and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Mm -hmm. For the terrible one is brought to naught, and the scorner is consumed, and all that watch for iniquity are cut off. Hmm. Um, I, I really, I had a little bit of an experience uh, a couple weeks ago talking to um, someone who actually works in the temple in, in Rexburg, and they were talking about the new Rexburg North temple coming in. <laughs> right. And, and uh, we were just talking about how um, gosh, it's just incredible that they're putting in another temple there. Mm -hmm. And and this good brother made a comment about, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, we're kind of all in a little bit disbelief too. Like, why why do we need another temple here? Sure. And, and I said, well, I asked him the question, what what is it that, um, I mean, are are you guys just packed? Are you full all the time? Or do you? He says, well, we're busy, but we're not that busy, <laughs> meaning that. You know, people are standing in line, kind of a thing, sure. and and I thought hmm, that's that's interesting, and <clears throat> and one of the things that I've just really uh, have come to appreciate about President Nelson is just how prophetic and how on point he is, yeah, and and how you know we sustain him as a prophet, seer, and revelator, and and part of that being a seer is that he can see in into the future, right? Yeah, yeah, and and. Uh, and I was thinking about that, and all of a sudden it just occurred to me with the number of temples that are going out, and again, this is just me, but I thought there will come a time in this world when there's just, I mean, that separation's getting greater and yeah. greater, right? Yeah. And, and people will come to the Lord in greater numbers in some respects the poor men among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The meek shall also increase their joy in the Lord. And there will be a need for those temples. And when that need comes, we'll have the capacity to meet that need. Yeah. Because of the prophetic foresight of President Nelson and yeah. all the prophets. Yeah, and the, and the structures that exist to facilitate the gathering on the other side of the veil mm -hmm. that we'll need to be doing. You know, it's fun. Sometimes I think about how, you know, most seminaries, most institutes are built right next to a college campus. Mm -hmm. And as important as academic learning is and, and uh, you know, secular learning is, I think when the Savior comes back, I sometimes wonder if those structures will be just converted to giant institute buildings and giant mm -hmm. seminary structures where, mm -hmm. where the Lord says, these all exist, right? These, mm -hmm. The prophets have been inspired to place these buildings next to, next to academic resources, and we're going to get to academic learning eventually. But for now, I want all of you to go to these buildings that are currently academic and we're going to turn them into sacred spaces and we're going to dedicate them over mm -hmm. to, to being sacred learning environments mm -hmm. and and you know what better resource than the institutes as the as the new admin buildings next to the set the the big schools right mm -hmm. that when the Lord comes back, just like there will be a need to convert on the other side of the veil and do the work, there's that same need on our side. Um, it's one of the reasons I, I feel really blessed to be in 
you know, seminaries and institutes as an instructor is it, there's a lot of job security for a thousand years <laughs> when, the, when the Savior yes, comes back, right? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. But, but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think, uh, uh, like you said, the, the foreknowledge of the things that are coming. We had an opportunity just uh, recently this, this past weekend to sit with Elder Tashida. Uh, of the Quorum of the Seventy uh, presidency, and and he was talking about how, um, you know, the the uh, come follow me materials that we got in 2020, 2019, mm-hmm. were supposed to come out in 2018 in just English. Yeah, and he and President Nelson said, no, we're going to hold off, um, and we're going to we're going to put them out in like 40 different languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that the rest of the world can have it all at the same time, and and fast forward one year, six months into when we actually got them, and and we have the pandemic that we needed it, and worldwide needed it, and uh, I just think there's a lot of a lot of uh, clarity to the the thing we call a seer in our day, right? <laughs> that man, if you, yeah. if you're willing to give that to the Lord and willing to call a spade a spade. He's a seer, and he's seeing definitely what's coming ahead of time. I, I can I back up a little bit where, yeah, where you went. You yeah. start. You brought us into chapter twenty nine, and and talked a little bit at the beginning of it. It, it talks a little bit about uh, the coming forth of the Book of Mormon, and and um, uh, that well, verse four: Thou shalt be brought down, and shall speak out of the ground. Thy speech shall be low out of the dust, and the voice shall be as one of a one that hath a familiar spirit out of the ground, and thy speech shall whisper out of the dust. You know, there's so many things in here that hearken to uh, the coming forth of the Book of Mormon and the prophetic words coming out of the ground, quite literally. Um, and, and I love the description of the day when those words would come out. In verse 8, uh, chapter 29, it says, and shall, ev- and shall even be as when an hungry man dreameth, Behold, he eateth, but he awaketh, and his soul is empty. Yeah. You know, the, those that lived during the apostasy would would dream of the of the gospel and in its fullness, and and would awake, and they didn't have what they dreamt of. Um, continuing on in that verse, or as when a thirsty man dreameth, and behold, he drinketh, but he awaketh, and behold, he is faint, and his soul hath appetite. So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. Stay yourselves and wonder. Cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered, right? I mean, we live in a time with prophet seer, 15 prophet seers and revelators and, and church administrative leaders that are so inspired um, that I don't know that we can even really fathom or appreciate what it would have been like to live in a time even today where you don't know of the truth and, and it's not readily available and you don't have access to see what a prophet has said on, a, on a, any given subject. You know, we read this as the, as the dark ages or the, the apostasy period, but I think there's so many am, amongst us that are living that still. They're thirsty, mm-hmm. they're looking mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. And we uh, maybe ignorantly and selfishly sit in our homes and our secure little environments that we built up like little temples and and we sometimes don't gather like we should because we get it we understand yeah and uh, some yeah. are some are very much thirsty but waking up faint i think every day isaiah talks about being in a bed that's too small for you oh, you can't stretch out yeah right yeah or um or having a blanket that you can't wrap yourself right in, yeah right yeah. seeking the comfort and and it reminds me of 
of what the prophets taught in the Book of Mormon, that, you, that you've spent your life seeking for that which you could not obtain. Yeah. And, and that is doing, seeking happiness and doing wicked things. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think, you know, as, as I uh, work with the young adults in the Institute, I, I see that being so palpably tempting, uh, especially when I was younger. I remember mm -hmm. just feeling like, man, I'm getting this degree and this thing, and is that the wisest financial move? And, and rather than thinking and feeling about what I should do and having the Spirit guide me in my choice of occupation, I was so tempted to look at um, seeking what the world could offer mm -hmm. and and, uh, and going after that, I I just I think that is some of this right that we get it, it it's uh, it's a tempting thirst quencher that doesn't quench your thirst. It's like drinking Gatorade, yeah, right? That that, yeah. that says this is so good for you, and you just load yourself up with fake sugars that deplete you even more, right? It, it's amazing. Sorry, I love Gatorade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, this is not a promotion for Gatorade here. <laughs> um, I I love just one more thing here in this in this chapter, uh, for me at least. Uh, um, verse thirteen. And you touched on this at the beginning here. He, sa he says, uh, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. You know, obviously this is the same language when he comes and speaks to Joseph, mm -hmm. right? That yeah. the, 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 the people's yeah, that's a great point. You know, hearts are far from me and they speak of me, but... Uh, it just in it interest, couple of things maybe to me that that the Lord really inspired Isaiah to speak His words, so He can quote them later, <laughs> right? <laughs> or the Lord just really loved Isaiah and, and quotes him because He got He just nailed it and got it right on the head. But it, but I think it also speaks to the boy Joseph at 14 years old, right? It's possible, I suppose, that he had Isaiah memorized, right, and that he knew those verses and that he could have just quoted them verbatim as part of what the Lord said to him. But, but the reality is at 14 years old, I think having any scripture memorized is significant, yeah, right? right? And especially right. back then when he didn't have courses in scripture that yeah, he were studying. Yeah. And, and to be able to just, you know, in retelling the story of the first vision for the very first time, some, mm -hmm. you know, that he's quoting Isaiah, uh, I, I sometimes wonder if some of the church leaders would have known that and and wondered, you know, maybe that was a stumbling block is this boy's just quoting Isaiah. Yeah. But if you really think about it, that, that boy quoting Isaiah is a pretty significant thing. Well, probably, yeah. Unlearned yeah, I mean, as he was. How much of a, yeah, how much even in their family are they going to spend time? Right. Because right. it's just, I mean, most of them don't even know how to read, let right. alone understand, right? Yeah, third grade education and you're yeah. quoting stuff that, yeah. that's pretty significant. Well, I love that. I love that. Perfect. Well, take us, uh, take us somewhere else. Where else uh, do you find some relevance to young adults or interesting things that uh, stand out to you? Well, it, chapter 30, uh, chapter 30 is great. I hadn't studied chapter 30 for a long time, so it was just kind of a treat for me. And, and I think this is relevant not just for young adults, but it's relevant for all of us, right? And because uh, sometimes, you know, things just get hard, right? And and um, and it requires faith. Uh, you know, our our world things just don't happen as fast as they used to anymore. Yeah. And whether that's because it's you know we live in distraction, or there's a lot more to do, or 
you know, it's just a you know different culture in some respects. But in verse 18, And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. I, I, I'm still intrigued, and, I, and I've still been thinking about, and therefore will the Lord wait, and all of the things that fit with that, that he may be gracious unto you. One of the first thoughts that came to me was, I am so grateful that the Lord waited for me to figure some things out. Mm-hmm that he just didn't throw up his hands when I was 18 or 17 or 15 or 25 and just say, this kid is never going to get this. <laughs> so let's just let it go, right? Bring him home now. <laughs> Bring his him time home on now. earth is over. <laughs> he just, he is not getting this. Or even, you know, he's never, he's never going to figure this out. And so he's never going to keep the commandments. So I'm just done dealing with him. Yeah, yeah. You know, not that, I mean, it wasn't that I was breaking commandments or anything like that, but, but I think, I think, we are all grateful that heaven waits on us yeah. to figure stuff out. Yeah. Well, it's a time-pointed to man, right? To come and to learn and to mm-hmm. grow and to develop. Yep. Um, you know, it, I, think there's a, I think there's a lot of wisdom in the Lord establishing the fall so that I could come down in a kind of a messy state and with mercy and justice being part of the plan, right? That, mm-hmm. that I'm allowed to have the issues that I have so I can actually learn the things that God knows yeah. and become more like Him, not yeah. just learn about who He is, but, but learn to be Him and become like Him, uh, I think is a significant thing. I think one of the things that I'm grateful for that the Lord waited upon me, now again, blessed are all they that wait for Him, right? Yeah, That's right. how that verse ends. Um, one of our challenges, or at least one of my challenges, is I remember being in college, Christy and I met, you know, we had our life planned out for the most part. Sure. You know, we we're going to get through college, get this degree and this and this and this. And, and you know, there's a lot of that, that that's different now. And thank goodness, right? Um, and we all have those stories, right, of how the Lord led us along. And, right. And, uh, but sometimes there's events that happen in our lives that, that create things that we weren't expecting, right? Or or it sends us in a different direction. Yeah. And and we're not really prepared for that. And sometimes we react in ways that maybe heaven wouldn't have us react, sure. right? And it takes us a while to get to the point where we're willing to listen and willing to follow. Yeah. Right. Um verse 20 Right now, think of keeping verse twenty in the context of verse eighteen. That the Lord will wait, and mm-hmm. blessed are all they that wait for Him. Mm-hmm. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore. But thine eyes shall see thy teachers. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, we, in some respects, because of adversity. And, and through just different experiences in time, whether that's adversity or learning opportunities, we begin to turn not only to the Lord, but we begin to let people teach us. Sure. Because like, and I don't want to compare us to Lucifer by any means, but sometimes we think we know better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Elder Maxwell, 
Irony is the hard crust on the bread of adversity. It involves outcomes, and this, boy, this phrase, woo! <laughs> it involves outcomes in violation of our expectations. We see the best laid plans laid waste. And then he goes on. Without meekness, such ironical circumstances are very difficult to manage. Mm. Right? Yeah. Our planning yeah. itself often assumes that our destiny is largely in our own hands. Then come intruding events. First elbowing aside, then evicting what was anticipated and even earned. Hence, we can become offended by events as well as by people. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe we are more often than not, right? We're offended <laughs> by the position God put me in. Or yeah, whatever, right? right. Thinking that, that I knew better how it should go. And one of the, one of the lessons I think that uh, we learned from Joseph early in the, in the church when the 116 pages are lost is that wasn't God's plan B. Right. right? It, we, we never are living God's plan B. It's always God's plan A. It's definitely our plan F or G, or, right? But, but, but it's never his, oh, oops, let's, okay, now I can help you with this, right? Yeah. It, it's always, I know where you're going to go, and because I know where you're going to go, I'm going to give you these experiences along the way that mm -hmm. are going to get you back to where I want you to be, yeah. right? And that's yeah. the plan from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and I think we get so frustrated by our plan A turning into plan B turning into plan C that we forget it's all his plan A. And that, and again, going back to keeping covenants, renewing our covenants, following a prophet, trusting what a prophet's mm -hmm. teaching because they are a prophet's seer and a revelator, mm -hmm. finding strength in those covenants. Isaiah 35, verse 7, and the parched ground shall become a pool, mm. right? Mm. Dreaming about water but waking up thirsty. Yeah, right. Um, and the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Yeah. And that just takes me to really one of my favorite scriptures in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 97. Verily I say unto you, all among them who know their hearts are honest and are broken, and their spirits contrite. And then this phrase, and are willing to observe their covenants by sacrifice. Mm. It, it takes effort, right? Yeah. We've all experienced that. Yea, every sacrifice which I, the Lord, shall command, they are accepted of me. And then this, I, I don't know, the imagery of this just is, I love it. Mm. For I, the Lord, will cause them, I, that phrase, I will cause, cause them, them, yeah. right? to bring forth as a very fruitful tree which is planted in a goodly land by a pure stream that yieldeth much precious fruit. Mm -hmm. And and I don't think that is just for when everything's all said and done. Sure. I think that's for right now yeah. in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, regardless of what the rest of the desert looks like around you, yeah, right? That's I think, exactly right. I think that... Um, you know, President Nelson's comment comes to mind that our, our joy isn't found in the circumstances of our life, mm. but in the focus of Perfect. our life. Perfect. Right? That's exactly right. That, yeah. that we can be a little oasis in the middle of a desert. Mm -hmm. um, our homes can be that, our, our experiences. Uh, I, in that talk that he gave, he, gives, he, he talks about or the early saints, and I don't remember the story exactly, but, 
but there's, I don't know, something like 70 of them, some massive number of saints that got crammed in a little cabin overnight. And they had to stay there. They couldn't sit down. They couldn't sleep. They couldn't do anything. They're just stuck in this little cabin because it was so cold out. And uh, and that it was one of the most joyful experiences of mm. their life because they they sang together and mm -hmm. they talked together and they um, in in what they could have said was just miserable in the in the uh, you know the experience itself and the the place they were in. But their focus was so good that they had this massive massively positive experience. And I think too often we, we look around us and we see the desert and we forget that I'm standing in the middle of an oasis that the Lord's provided for me if I just look at it, if I just focus on it uh, and, and get away from the, the sand hills that are next to me and, yeah. and whatnot, yeah. right? right? Mm, so and, cool. Well, and maybe sometimes we see the desert because we consider covenants or commandments something that we have to do yeah. or that we're not doing. Yeah. When when you know going back to section 82 of the doctrine covenants where i give unto you a new commandment that you may understand my will yeah. right or in other words i give unto you directions how you may act it's the formula yeah right it's the how to yeah it isn't the you better well yeah it's it's how we understand commandments too right that that the Lord sees commandments, Doctrine and Covenants um, talks about commandments as crowns, yeah. crowns of glory. When, yeah. when we're righteous and we're, we're willing to receive more, we get more commandments. We get more, hey, live like this and you'll be happier like me. Right? Or more directions how you may act, exactly, right? right yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I think sometimes we, we erroneously think God lives in the heavens with no laws, doesn't have to abide by it. <laughs> and the free. reality is he's living by so many more laws than you and I are because he's perfectly obedient to everything yeah. in yeah. order to maintain being a God, right? Yeah. And, and, and I think we, we think about the next life and that we'll be free. And, and No, we, we are choosing in this life to be bound by commandments, to be bound by the laws and it really is our proof here that I'm willing to abide by 10 commandments yeah. or I'm willing to abide by the two in the garden, right? That is proving not that, that I'm earning a space in heaven, but I'm proving that I'm willing to receive more. And so if I die and I'm with him, he knows ultimately that because I was faithful in life, I'm willing to receive more in the next life and I will be willing to become like him ultimately down the road. Isn't that a natural process, though? I mean, you know, because people get caught up sometimes in what they're doing or not doing, sure. right? But it's kind of a process of growth yeah. in some respects, and that when people stop that process, they they kind of go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And and it isn't like, okay, now give me the next thing so I can check off a list. Sure. No, it's not that at all. It's not yeah. even close to that, right? Right. So when we leave this earth and we get more or whatever, that's just a natural right. process. Yeah. Right, it's it's just like growing up, you know. You get your driver's license, you learn to drive, and then and then you progress and you get bigger vehicles or you get whatever. Right. You yeah. Know? I mean, that's a terrible analogy, but but the idea is that your capacity sure. to receive and to do things increases. Yeah, for sure. I think as you mature and grow from teenage years into young adult years, especially, I think you gain the skill of study. Mm -hmm. Right, because as a teenager, as a young person, you you're told read your scriptures, and you read your scriptures, and I'm reading 15 verses a day, or I'm mm -hmm. reading whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's from from verse one to 15, and then 16 to 30, right? Yep. And and that's the process I go through to, to gain the skill of daily study, daily scripture, anything, right? Mm -hmm. 
But by the time I'm in my 20s, I, I see that, hey, you know what, that's really not giving me anything. And if I've learned to read daily, then hopefully the next step is to learn to study daily. And that, by default, will lead me to ask questions that then I become studying in those questions. And, and, and the process of becoming and learning is a, is a lifelong process mm -hmm. that really is the next commandment given to you, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's first read, then study, then study the stuff you need, then study the stuff that's applicable to your family and to your life, and right? And so there's, a, there's, there's line upon line, precept upon precept kind of concept yep, yep. in all commandments, yep. right? We're, we're given that in all commandments. It reminds me back in Isaiah 30, um, he, in, in talking about, uh, I think he's talking about the, the uh, rejection of prophets, mm -hmm. right? Whether mm -hmm. it's Christ's time and the rejection of prophets that led up to uh, the, 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 the Romans coming in and taking over after and, and the apostasy beginning, or it's the apostasy and um, the rebellious that, that just rejected prophets, or maybe it's even our day where um, prophets aren't heard. Uh, I think about chapter 30, verse 9, it says, This is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers... See not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Mm -hmm. Speak unto us smooth things. <laughs> prophesy deceits. Like, right? <laughs> like, who would go to a prophet and say, tell me lies about yeah. what's happening? Oh. But isn't that the world we live in? Where, where nobody wants, nobody wants a prophet to speak truth. They don't want him to speak, you know, Elder Christofferson's talk on truth. So groundbreaking to me that you know yeah. that there is there is truth, and that my truth is not a thing. That uh, my experience might be a thing. My um, my perspective might be a thing. And like Elder Uchtdorf's uh, little analogy about uh, the six blind men of Indostan. Maybe mm -hmm. you remember that. Yeah, where oh yeah. The six guys go up and they touch the elephant yep, and they yep, all feel yep. a different part. You know their experience is real and right. But their truth that the trunk feels like a snake isn't true, right? It just isn't true that the thing he felt was a snake. But because of his perspective, that's what he thinks. Mm -hmm. And and so I think these verses are, are really important because we see that in our day, it's so tempting to tell prophets because of what I experience and what I see, don't tell me that thing. Yeah, because yeah. that thing is not true. Yeah, where where we I think we need to recognize that 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 thing is more true than my experience because yeah. they've been given an offering to be a seer, and if I believe that, if I can have faith in that, then I, ha I have to step back from my own perspective and I have to say, wait, there's probably more I'm missing. Yeah, yeah. And while my while the guy that felt the trunk of the elephant was really feeling what he felt, uh, with a prophet's help and with God's full vision, we really can say, just teach me, just teach me. And, and I, I'll give you my thought. I, I felt a trunk. What is that? But, you, but it has to come with the question. You know, I'm feeling this thing. What is that? Help me, help me place that in the context of the whole. Because um, without that, man, we, we tell the prophets what we want. Yeah, and, yeah. And I don't know that that always goes so yeah, well. We get offended when we don't hear what we want, right? right? Yeah. Um, you know, Elder Teixeira shared you know the about how the church does research right in this yeah. fireside about getting the you know having conferences with the world's yeah. top 
information yeah. getters, right? Yeah. That help us understand this. And yeah, didn't didn't he talk about how President Nelson, some of the some of the quorum were. They brought the the creators of Minecraft in. Yeah. Right? Uh, it, or uh, it wasn't Minecraft. It was Fortnite. Fortnite. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It was yeah. Fortnite. Brought the creators of Fortnite in. And and he didn't really get into why. But it's really interesting to me to think, I want, why would a prophet say, hey, let's learn about Fortnite. And uh, let's, let's maybe, let's understand the youth. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's see what they're yeah. really dealing with. And, so, so, you know, and just with everything, and, you know, I'm not going to get real down to detail on this, but, but for some, you know, I, I think it's just dangerous in some respects for somebody to say the prophet doesn't understand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, we could go back to talks uh, long ago, right? President Benson's BYU devotional in 1980, mm -hmm. um, where he talks about what a prophet is yeah, and yeah. that he can be the, the utmost... Um, authority on any subject in any mm -hmm. given time mm -hmm. if you believe he's a prophet and receiving instruction from god then god can teach him yeah, better yeah, than anybody else yeah, on earth yeah. something that is true yeah. right and for as smart as president nelson was or is i mean yeah uh, anyway <laughs> yeah you, you gotta just give it to him but but that idea that that we live in a time where we know a lot right we as individuals know a lot and and i think uh I think Elder Holland's comments that uh, we want a, we want a, a Christ who pats us on the head yeah. and tells us it's all great. Smooth and, things, yeah, right? Smooth, smooth things. things. Don't don't make. I want my comfortable Christianity. Is that yeah, what he would say? Yeah. Comfortable Christianity, sitting on our cloud. Going back to Isaiah 30, you know, with what you've shared, uh, you know, verses nine and ten. Verse eleven. Get you out of the way. Mm. You know, so which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us the right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way. <laughs> Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from mm. before us. Mm. Right? Yeah. Where, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. that takes us back to the, the, uh, the way that we'll truly see the adversary at the end. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, <laughs> I listen to this guy. Yeah, right. Turn ye aside out of your path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Right? I, I just, it, it, there's, those are so opposing ends of the spectrum, right? That, that we want Christ to stop. <laughs> just stop. But at the same time, when it, at the end, we're going to look at the adversary and say, really? You were the guy? This was, yeah. right? It, it, yeah. It's interesting how flippant we are, how fickle. Maybe we are sometimes. How smart we think we are. Yeah, right. Yeah. Love that. Well, uh, Brother Cobb, this has been great. Uh, is there anywhere else? I know there's there's some some more chapters towards the end of the block here that we could cover um, for time's sake. Maybe just take us to one more thing, if there's something else that, that lands that you feel would be helpful for us. Really, heaven is after us, right? Yeah. After us meaning that he's not going to give up on us. Yeah. Right, and, and to use the term from, from the Old Testament, you know, his arms are outstretched still. Yeah. And, and that, you know, in chapter 35, just to conclude, really, going to the very last verse, and, and it, can, it can get, it gets a little crazy out there, as my son says, it gets a little Western out there, right? <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and there's lots to do, and there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that can cause our ground to be parched or that can cause our 
um, you know, life to just be hard sometimes. But here's, the, here's what we have to remember, and Isaiah knew that, and he concludes here in verse 10 of chapter 35. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And uh, you probably have had those mornings when you woke up, and one of the first things you did is you sighed, like, okay, here, here we go. Here we go again. Right? Yeah. But, but, to be, but to wake up or to, to go throughout a day and knowing that the joy and gladness is on its way. Mm. And, and in some respects is partially here, right? Section 97 of the Doctrine and Covenants again, that he'll make us as a tree by a goodly stream mm -hmm. and, and that we'll be able to yield much precious fruit. Mm. And, and you think of... I think of Alma 32 when he talks about nourishing uh, the Word, right? Mm -hmm. that, that we nourish it by our patience, we nourish it with our faith, we nourish it with our actions, which all of those tie in together, right? And then in this phrase, he says, by and by, in this life, I believe, by and by ye shall reach up and pluck the fruit thereof. Mm -hmm and that it'll be delicious, that it'll be most precious above all that it's pre all that's precious and white above all that's white. In other words, it, it just brings peace and joy yeah. by and by, mm. right? Which means in between those bys, life happens. Yeah. But because we've nourished the tree, because we've kept covenants, we've exercised faith, we've relied on Jesus Christ, we, we've repented when we need to repent. All of those things that Isaiah is taught in, in you know, waiting upon the Lord and all those kinds of things, by and by, we can pluck the fruit of the tree that God has caused us to plant by a goodly stream in a goodly land. Yeah, I love that. What a beautiful imagery. Um, and that he has caused it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I love that yeah. we talked about that before. I yeah. love that message that that it's a condition of righteous living mm -hmm. that he'll cause our lives to be fruitful yeah. in the middle of a desert. Yep. In the middle of the thorns and the wickedness of the last days. Um, I love these messages. I I just think there's so much here that the the Lord through Isaiah and then through himself again mm -hmm. in quoting Isaiah so frequently um, testifies of his art, outstretched arm, yeah. right? That uh, he, he'll be there. I, I love this. I love this. Uh, thank you, Brother Cobb, for taking us here today. Uh, anything just in closing you'd say to the young people? Yeah, what a great time. This has been awesome. Yeah, yeah thank yeah, you. Fun. And and uh, been fun for me to consider and to think about these kinds of things. and. I think the thought did occur to me. I, I've just been thinking about my experience with FSY. Sure. And and uh, took a survey the other day, and what and the survey was what was one of the most positive things of your experience with FSY. Yeah. And so I wrote a couple of things, but one of the things that I wrote was was watching the young single adults be to just operate FSY. Yeah. And and I. And as I'm thinking about that, I watched God causing mm. 
them to be a fruitful tree in a goodly mm. land cool. with much precious fruit. I watched that. That's cool. As they blessed youth, as they were blessed uh, serving. Yeah. In, and I know it was a job for all of them, but, but they really were serving. Yeah. And what was happening in their individual lives and also happening to them collectively. Mm. It's happening. It yeah. happens. Every day it happens. Yeah, it's cool. And that was just an example of being able to, you know, sacred privilege that you kind of being on the front line and seeing what those young single adults were doing. What they're capable of, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and you said it's happening every day. It is. It's not just the FSY experience. Yeah, yeah. That's where they come together. Yeah. You get to see yeah. it all in yeah. one spot, right? But but the, the, the young adults uh, of the church especially, and, and really just that whole generation, yeah. um, they're so capable. Incredible and capacity. so connected, right? Oh my gosh. I, uh, I, I, love, um, I love that you tied FSY in here. Uh, you know, in, uh, back in August, uh, we did some, some podcasts in the uh, I Am In podcast mm -hmm. that we do at the Institute as well. Um, and we interviewed some uh, teachers uh, that had gone and taught FSY. We interviewed some uh, uh, some of those that went and kind of led the whole of FSY. And we also did a podcast about uh, the young single adults that went and were counselors. Um, and uh, for any of you out there that are listening that, that think maybe that could be something you want to get into, uh, what a great podcast for you to go listen to. Again, oh, it's, good, the, yeah. Yeah, it's the podcast back in the I Am In uh, uh, podcast back in August. I think it was August or um, maybe the first of September. But uh, it uh, it just is great interview of those young adults that went and did it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's three or four of them that come in mm. and talk about uh, their experience and just how you might go out and be uh, a part of that experience, taking your capacity that God sent you to yeah. earth with yeah. and, and go out and serve and see yourself as a gatherer, finding mm. ways to help uh, the young adults and the young, the youth, um, really be gathered in. Yeah. Grateful for that. Grateful for you. It was Thank wonderful you. to be with you yeah, today. Awesome. Thanks, man. We're excited, uh, excited for meeting with you again sometime. Okay, awesome. Love it. Thank you. Yep.